Good morning, brothers and sisters. All right. Um, we're doing something unique this morning, um, and it's, it's unique uh, by necessity because um, John Hall was going to preach this week, and I already had a trip scheduled to go to Chicago with the bishop, so I had no time, but he ended up needing to get surgery on his ankle, and it's going well, and he's got it elevated, and he's resting, he's praying for us today, um, and I think he should be back next Sunday with a hard cast on it, but um, so John had surgery, so I just said, you know what? How about, um, instead of a sermon this morning, we bump what we've been doing during catechesis hour up to the sermon slot. So what we've been doing during catechesis hour is we've been going through this thing called the catechism. And the catechism is built on three pillars. Um, so the first is the Apostles' Creed. So we go through what Christians believe. And then the second pillar is the Lord's Prayer. So how do we have a relationship with God? So it's Christian spirituality. And then the third pillar is uh, the Ten Commandments. And so that'll be the, the next part that we come to in the Catechism. How do we live? How do we live? What, what do Christians believe about morality? So how we think, how we pray, how we live. And um, we've been going through the Catechism for a while, and we're actually smack dab in the middle of the Lord's Prayer. And so um, what we're going to do this morning is something very unique. Um, if you want to, you can pull up the catechism on your phone because it's right up there, but we're actually going to have the questions and answers of the catechism on the slide. So what we're going to do this morning is I'm going to say the question, and then we'll all read the answer together as a congregation. And this is what we do during catechesis hour. If you've never been, it's kind of fun. It's like my favorite way to teach is when there's back and forth between me and whoever's learning. Um, and so what we're going to do is I'll read the question, we'll all read the answer together, and then I'll ask if you guys have any questions about that. And we might get through five questions, or we might get through 20 questions. It all just depends on your questions and how long-winded Pastor Taylor feels this morning about the answers that I give you, all right? So I'm going um, to actually start by saying in the back of the catechism... There's also a section with some, uh, some other items, and there's this really nice prayer for quiet hearts. So I'm going to start with this prayer, and then uh, it'll be up on the screen, but if anybody wants to hold one of those catechisms in their hand, um, they can just grab one. That's great. All right. So prayer for quiet hearts. The Lord be with you. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. O God of peace, who has taught us that in returning and rest we shall be saved, and in quietness and confidence shall be our strength. By your Holy Spirit, lift us, we pray, to your presence, where we may be still and know that you are God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. If you're curious, we're on question 186. Today And we're in the middle of the Lord's Prayer. We're about to get to the fourth petition where we ask for our daily bread. But let me just give uh, just a little bit of an introduction in the Lord's Prayer. So I started to do this with the children today. Um, but the Lord's Prayer begins with an address to God. And I just want us to understand um, what we might take for granted nowadays, that Jesus is actually the first person in recorded history to say that we should talk to God as Father when we pray. Now, it's not the first time in the Bible that the word Father is used, but it's, it's used more uh, impersonally. So um, it, the scriptures will say that, um, that God is the Father of Israel or the Father of this nation. But Jesus is the first to say, when you pray, say, Daddy. 
fact, many times, a few times in the Gospels, Jesus' words to God are translated directly from the Aramaic. And it just says, Abba, Daddy. And so Jesus, the kind of intimacy that Jesus is saying that we have in prayer, this was a unique thought. It was like a flash of lightning in a clear sky. right? And he's saying that God, that our relationship with God can be scandalously intimate. Actually, this is one of the things that people got mad at Jesus about, was for the level of intimacy that he said all people can have with God, if they would talk to him as their Abba, if they would talk to him as their daddy. And so I think actually the critical moment in the Lord's Prayer is asking God for faith to know him not as we know him, but as he knows himself to be. Because that's not usually the way that we think about things. Usually we say, I'm, I'm feeling too guilty, I can't go to you, or I feel like you're just this distant philosophical concept, or I feel like you started the universe and you don't have much to do with it anymore, but Jesus is saying, no, no. He's wanting to pierce through that at the beginning of the Lord's Prayer and say, our Father, but it's not just this sort of like buddy Jesus kind of thing, you know, sort of prayer where it's like, you know, I just kind of settle down and I get real informal and stuff like this. Jesus follows that up. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hagias Theto, so the, the, the name holy. Uh, hallowed be your name. And, and so he wants us, as I was saying to the children, he wants us to hold these two truths in our mind. I think for some of us, it would be really, really uncomfortable to call God Daddy. That would be really uncomfortable. Maybe even especially if we've had a really difficult relationship with our earthly father. That might make it even more of a barrier. Um, but we need to understand that Jesus is not talking about our flawed earthly parents. All earthly parents are flawed. I am very flawed in the way that I father my children. I need God's grace and mercy. Um, but he's saying it, it, it's like if you were a part of a perfectly healthy household. That's the kind of father. I have a friend who's a Baptist pastor, and he started praying um, in service. He would commonly just call God Daddy. And he said when he started doing that, people um, would come up to him after the service and be like, I don't really like that. I don't really want you to do that. You know, that just sounds weird. And, uh, and his response was, and, you know, he thought about it, should I stop doing that? But he felt like there was a word for him. His father had left his family when he was young. And he felt like there was meat for his soul to call God daddy. And he said, Jesus did it. So he, his, his response to them is, you know, I'm sorry. This is how Jesus prayed. And so I'm trying to kind of challenge us to understand how intimate things could be between us and God. So some of us might have a hard time calling God Father or Daddy. That might be difficult. On the other hand, there might be some... Um, could you imagine saying, God, you are the master of my life and of everyone's life in this room and of everyone in the world. I submit myself to you. Holy King, my Sovereign, my only, my God. For some of us, that would be the hardest is to say to God, you are God and I am not. You are the king and I am not. You are my master and the master of everyone, the rightful king of everyone that walks this earth, in heaven and on earth and under the earth. One day every knee will bow and every tongue confess that. But in the present time, are we willing to say that about God? 
And if we have those two things, we challenge, Jesus is trying to challenge us, challenge our heart in those two ways, the intimacy of the Father and the submission of saying, I'm your servant, I'm dust, I'm just your creature, you're the master, you're the king of everything. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, let, let it be the way that it is up there, let it be that way down here. The way that the angels submit to your will, the way that the angels get excited when something of you is happening. It's almost like the angels are just like attached to the heart of God. When God's heart starts to flutter, the angels start to fly. That's what we want our hearts to be. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In your kingdom, everything is just and right. In your kingdom, people forgive one another. In your kingdom, there's no more mourning, no more crying, no more sickness. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So that's where we've gotten to so far in the Lord's Prayer. We need to understand that we actually... We're given quite a privilege because Jesus is saying we can pray all these things. Now, some of, if you're like me, you might, might kind of think, like, well, before I say anything, I'm going to confess my sins to God. Because I feel like that's kind of keeping me between, you know, there's this, this barrier between me and God. And so I just got to start by saying, all right, I know I'm not worthy to pray to you. So first, please don't zap me. Forgive me of my sins. And then maybe I can start to call you Father. Or then maybe I can start to pray for your purposes. But Jesus says, no, that's not the way that it is. I think what's going on here is there's an assumed ongoing relationship. We don't always have to renew our status in the house every time. Just like if my kids do something that's disappointing to me or they mistreat one another, they don't need to reestablish that I'm their father. I, I want them to come to me. I want them to apologize. But they don't lose their status. They can come to me. They can still operate in the household as my kids even when there's something that I'm upset about or disappointed about when it comes to them. Amen? So there's this assumed status, assumed continued status. And we can, we can pray for his purposes and other people's life, all this sort of stuff. And now, finally, what happens is, um, in the furnace of prayer, in the furnace of acknowledging who God is, in the furnace of worshiping him, um, and then calling for his kingdom to come, for his will to be done, now we're ready to begin to ask him for the things that we want and need. Amen? Mm -hmm. And so Jesus' pattern of prayer, it's not just like a legalistic thing. I mean, hey, if, you, if you're having a Psalm 51 moment and you need to start by you know, asking God to forgive your sins, by all means, ask God to forgive your sins. This isn't supposed to be a law. But I think Jesus is giving us the master prayer here. He is giving us the prayer that, that should shape all prayers. And so this is just a... a, a highly commendable way to pray. I'll just say this as the last thing and then we'll start to read these questions and answers. I don't know if you ever realize this, but um, the one in the Bible who teaches us to pray is actually Jesus himself. There's prayers in many other places in the Bible, but the only person who's really like, let me teach you something about prayer, is Jesus. He actually tells many parables. There's many, many, many times that Jesus teaches on this topic. It's one of his favorite topics. Sometimes the apostles ask him, uh, Lord, teach us to pray. That's, that's what prompts the Lord's Prayer in the Gospel of Luke. In the Gospel of Matthew, he says, this then is how you should pray. So not just what you should pray. We do repeat the Lord's Prayer when we gather together, and that's a beautiful thing to do, to pray it liturgically. But this is how you should pray. This, these, this is the structure. This is the posture for prayer. Amen? Amen. All right.
got the preacher warmed up now. Let's do this. Uh, let's do this catechism thing. All right. So I'm going to ask you this question. We'll respond together. Question 186. For what personal blessings does the second half of the Lord's Prayer teach you to ask? Together. As a loyal child of God, I pray first for God's honor, kingdom, and will. Then I pray for my own needs of daily bread, pardon for sins, and protection from evil. So you see that structure? We pray for God's honor, kingdom, and will. Then we pray for our own needs, daily bread, pardon for sins, and protection from evil. I just was sort of talking about that. So let's move, uh, let's move on. Question 187. What is the fourth petition? The fourth petition is, give us this day our daily bread. Question 188. What does our daily bread mean? Let's say this together. Daily bread includes all that is needed for personal well-being, such as food and clothing, homes and families, work and health, friends and neighbors, peace and godly governance. All right. Does anybody have any questions about that response? To question 188, and you could just raise your hand and I'll call on you. This, this isn't the normal way we do sermon slot, but I actually really like it. Yeah. 186, and it's tied to the other ones, says my. Yeah. And I'm wondering why it's singular. 186, as a loyal child of God, I pray for God's honor. I pray for my own needs, that sort of thing. Yeah, um, it's, uh, it's because that's the way the whole catechism is structured. It's structured for you to speak in first person and sort of own these answers. But I think it's a good point that Peter's pointing out. Um, because the whole, the whole um, Our Father is a corporate prayer. Our Father. Um, our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses. And I think Peter's uh, comment brings that out. There is a, a way in which we're not... There's, there's, a, there's a time to, to say, me, my daddy, you are my God. The Psalms speak in the first person oftentimes. But it is true that the Lord's Prayer um, sort of favors the, the corporate. And in fact, me, at many places in the New Testament where we sort of own this as like, own something as an individual promise, it's actually put in the language of us and we. But the problem is, is that we don't have a y'all in English. <laughs> so when Paul says, I'm writing to you, you know, in Corinth or something like that, he's actually saying, I'm writing to y'alls. <laughs> or or, 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 um, or in, uh, in Pittsburgh, it's really weird, but they use the word yins. Yins, guys. Uh, all right. Yeah, do you have a question? I do. All right. Uh... Please. In 188, some of the things that are listed here, I would consider wants and not needs. I mean, I, to me, it's like food and clothing and shelter, but... Yeah. Yeah, so um, when it comes to give us this day our daily bread, it seems like... Uh, so she said um, some of the things that are listed on 188 sound like wants rather than needs. Um, so when we get to this part of the prayer, give us today our daily bread, I think it's best to start with needs. But it, I think it is a place in the prayer where we can begin to pray wants and desires. I think most of the things listed here, we would consider basic human necessities in the sense of food and clothing, home and families, work and health. There's a, there's a, 
you know, there's a sense in which, you know, if somebody is lacking in these things, we would say they're sort of lacking in some kind of basic human good or basic human dignity. Uh, then it starts to kind of fan it out a little bit. Friends and neighbors and peace and godly governance. Um, there are a lot of places where there's turmoil and the governance is not godly and, and you know, in many places in the world. Um, and, and, um, and so if there's, not, if there's not peace to sort of like live out your daily existence and not be sort of dragged from your home or, you know, cast into jail without reason or all these sorts of things, it begins to sort of get into a need. Um, you know, it's, I think it's tricky, but I think what the, what, what the catechism is kind of saying is if there's a place to begin to ask God for um, wants, to things that begin to transfer into wants, this is probably a good place to do that in the Lord's Prayer. Um, also, I think it's, it's worth noting that in 1 Timothy 2, verses 1 through 2, if you wanted to look that up on your own, it talks about um, all kinds of prayers being offered, and it talks about how we should pray for um, government kings and government officials and stuff like that. And that's a really challenging verse, because sometimes we're like, I really like our president, and I feel like praying for them. And sometimes we're like, I really don't like our president, and I don't feel like praying for him or her or whatever. You know, and... Um, and, um, but it's saying to do so, and we have to remember that they were in a much more difficult political context than we were. So these, these were, uh, most of the early uh, church, uh, many, much, many people in the early church were Jewish believers. <laughs> um, you know, Paul's a Jewish believer, and, and, and the Jews are, are, are subject, uh, are, have been subjected to the Roman Empire. And... In many cases, they're being murdered without cause by the Roman Empire. And so it's from that context, Paul says, we should pray for our rulers and authorities. Whether you like them or not, you're called to ask God's blessing on them. You're called to ask God to give them wisdom. And that's why in this church, you know, uh, every week um, when Barack Obama was president, we pray for Barack Obama. And now Donald Trump is president, and every week we pray for Donald Trump. And some of you guys might feel a little bit more uncomfortable by one or the other, but we're going to pray for them. <laughs> right. um, let's, let's continue on. 189. Why should you pray for bread daily? We'll say this together. God wishes me to trust him every day to supply my needs for that day. Okay, um, will somebody look up that Proverbs 30, verses 7 through 9 reading? Um, Kevin, will you do that? Sure. And um, I, I you know, just want to elaborate a bit on this. That Proverbs 30 reading is, is really good, so I want you to hear it. Um, but just to elaborate, um, this is the way that God works, guys. <laughs> um, very rarely is God like, let me give you just a big pile of money or a big pile of resources, and you don't have to worry about it the rest of your life. Do you remember what happened after God led his people through, um, uh, you know, through the Red Sea and Pharaoh's army was drowned and all that sort of stuff? But then every day they had to rely on him for the manna from heaven. They didn't have any food. And actually God said, if you collect more than your fair share for the day, it's going to turn all maggoty. Because God wants us in a daily way to say, he, he wants to train our hearts in a daily way to trust Him. And I, I, I think oftentimes we're like, God, I think it would be really, really wise if you just gave me my bread for the next 
several years and for the foreseeable future. <laughs> I would really appreciate that. But Kevin, would you, would you um, just read aloud Proverbs 30, verses... Um, 7 through 9. Yeah, 7 through 9. Go ahead. Two things I ask of you, O Lord. Do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, Who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. Amen. Isn't that a beautiful prayer? Give me neither poverty nor, nor riches. Otherwise, I'll have too much and I'll say, Who needs God? Um, when the Anglican Church North America began to have um, relationships with global partners uh, in the global south and, and, and the church in Africa and South America and stuff like this, some of the African leaders, when they came and visited the U.S., um, commented to some of the priests in the U.S., I'm actually surprised your people come to church. And, and, uh, and, the, and the priests were, you know, pastors were like, hey, well, well, why? And they said, well, because they have everything they need. <laughs> They were just surprised that people would still show up, even though they got sort of a storehouse. A lot of people have a storehouse of many daily breads in this country, because for them it was like, we come to church to tell God we need you today in order just to survive. So neither poverty nor riches, and he says, um, and, and, and don't, make, don't make me too poor, because I'll steal things, and, and then I'll, 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 I'll um, be breaking your commandments, I'll be dishonoring your name. Um, and so there's a sense in which God wants to train us to trust in Him in that fatherly way. Think, of, think about it. In, instead of thinking about your person, uh, yourself as just an employee of a company and getting a paycheck and stuff, think about the way that it is with kids and parents. You trust that there's going to be a sandwich in your lunch the next day. Right? But if they didn't put it there, you would not get it. <laughs> So in, in one sense, you own nothing when you're a kid. And in another sense, everything is yours. Mm -hmm. Right? So those, are, those things are both true of our relationship with God. Yeah, Alicia, did you have a question? Yeah. She said, how do we pray that in honesty when it's not something that we, that we, really, that we really need? It reminds me of a, um, a prayer that Bart Simpson said before um, a Thanksgiving dinner one time. He said, um, God, we think, uh, he said, we paid for all this food ourselves, so thanks for nothing. Um, it's a mistake to allow Bart Simpson to pray for your Thanksgiving dinner, period, all right? Um, but I, I think there's two answers to that question. I think one thing is um, there are certain circumstances in our life that remind us how dependent we truly are. Um, so we get super ill, for example. Or we realize um, all of a sudden, because we have a stroke or something like that, that the intelligence that I have and the ability that I have to walk around and earn a job are completely given to me. We realize the country I was born in, the family that I was born in, everything that I inherited, in fact, every good thing in my life is completely dependent on God sustaining that. 
So I think there is a way in which we can still appropriately say, give us this day our daily bread, because without you holding it all together, we would be completely sunk. You know, sometimes people will begin to feel that acutely after the stock market crashes or after some sort of, you know, some sort of tragedy in your life. All of a sudden you realize, man, God is really holding this thing together for me. I need to pray afresh. Give us this day our daily bread. But I think it's also an opportunity. As Peter pointed out, this is a corporate prayer. So we pray, give us today our daily bread. It's a good time to remember that if we have extra bread, um, that God delights in us sharing bread. I think this is a great opportunity to pray for the global and domestic poor and ask God, what do you want us to do with the extra manna that you've given us? Amen. Yeah, Robin. Yeah. Emotional health of people, um, just circumstances that you've already mentioned, the illnesses, and there's a lot yeah. that we are completely, it's completely out of our control. Yeah, I think, I think there is a sense in which we can own the sort of symbolic nature of this prayer, too, where Jesus says, you know, the devil's tempting him in the wilderness, um, turn the stones into bread, and Jesus says, um, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And so he, you know, for him, bread has become symbolic of the thing that he needs even more than bread. That's, that's the crazy thing about the Bible, is it continues to insist throughout that God is more important than bread. God is more important than family. I mean, we didn't Michael just read the command of God, you know, to, for Abraham to sacrifice his son, his one and only son? God is more important than family. God is more important than water. If you would have asked me, I would have given you living water. That's what you really need. The water that wells up within you and it never goes dry. You know, you know what the real bread from heaven is, Jesus said? Me. I'm the bread from heaven. And so there's a sense in which what we really need, which is connection and reconciliation with God, we say, give us this day our daily bread, Lord. My heart's far from you. My mind's far from you. I want to know you, uh, but, but I can't on my own. And, and even, if you think about it, even prayer, anytime you pray, you're asking for or expecting a miracle. Because what, what we purport prayer to be is a connection between heaven and earth. Right? And we can't do that. We can't connect heaven and earth. We've tried that before. It's like, I'll build a tower to the heavens. And God's like, okay. <laughs> I'm going to confuse their languages because they got this. This is way off. We think by our own might we'll build this stairway to heaven. And um, so we, we begin to recognize that everything in life is grace, actually. And that's what the saints recognize. That we, there's a song we sing here sometimes that says, um, uh, uh, sweeter the air I breathe the more that I give you everything deeper the grace I need the more that I give you everything so that the saints that walked closest with God realized that everything that everything they had was grace it was grace from God the spiritual, the physical, the social, all that um, I'm going to read question 190 just to finish this section on the fourth petition and then I'll, 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 come, I'll come to you
Amen. So Jamie's talking about, and you see this thread in Philippians, you see it in, in that um, second Timi uh, first Timothy passage, that when prayer is mentioned, it's like intercessions and supplications and thanksgivings. Mm -hmm. That's always a part of it. And in fact, if you're having a hard time connecting with God in prayer, a good, uh, like a good way to warm up your heart to God is by like, well, before I pray, let me, Lord, help me to think of five things that I can thank you for today. So, Lord, just kind of enlighten my heart to the blessings in my life, and then I'll just offer thanks to you for these things. And oftentimes when we do that, we find that our hearts are in the right posture for prayer. Amen. Amen. Let's do question 190, and we'll end with that this morning. But if you like this, um, and you want more of this sort of back and forth opportunity to ask any kind of question about the Trinity, or the gifts of the Holy Spirit, or human sexuality, or, um, you know, this sort of tension between the biblical call, seeming tension between the biblical call for justice and mercy for the poor, but also evangelism, you know, to the nations. All these sorts of things, we talk about them during Catechesis Hour, and we'll be starting Catechesis Hour up, back up next week at 9 a.m., so we have a whole hour of it. But let's do question 190 together, and we'll end here. Why does God give you daily bread? God gives me daily bread because he is a good and loving father. And I should thank him for it morning, noon, and night. Amen. It's, I think, here suggesting just the spiritual discipline of giving thanks to God at your meals. It's just a great time not only to thank him for the food that's immediately in front of you, which we recognize um, we're dependent on him for, but it's just a good time to thank him for the people that you're with, the blessings of your life, and just to cultivate that process of gratitude. Let's not become so spiritual that we're that you know we don't give thanks for our food because that's just something that you know is perfunctory. No, come on, this is a great opportunity that we have. We're just about to nourish ourselves with the food to say, God, thank you so much for this bread. Thank you so much for the people who prepare this, Lord. Thank you so much for my family that's sitting here. Lord, we ask for you to provide bread for people who don't have this spread in front of them this day. Amen. Amen. It's a good time to do that. Um, and this is fun. I just, I really want to keep going. But <laughs> I'll just close by suggesting this. <clears throat> um, if you're feeling distant from the Lord... And maybe you're feeling like I was feeling. I, I think I'd really been following the Lord for a few years before I ever really felt very connected to Him in personal prayer. And there were lots of different barriers. I had philosophical barriers. I had, you know, um, concentration barriers. I had skewed images of Him. You know, all these sorts of things. Um, but really, the key that unlocked prayer for me and intimacy with God was Jesus' own teaching here in the Lord's Prayer. And just beginning to use the Lord's Prayer as a model for prayer. So just whether you're journaling it or whether you're saying it aloud, Our Father in Heaven, 
Hallowed be your name. And then we begin to pray. Um, maybe you're listing your thanksgivings for us. Father, thank you for this congregation. Father, thank you for the blessing of my daughter and um, that beautiful thing that she said to her sister um, earlier today. Father, thank you for my wife and all the ways in which she blesses me behind the scenes. Father, thank you for these. Maybe you're going, I, I'm, I'm praying this, but I'm also. <laughs> Father, thank you for those things. Amen. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, there is injustice in this world, and we pray that you'd set things right. Lord, there are despotic kings and rulers who are ruling contrary to your will, and we pray that you would either shift their hearts or change the circumstances of government in these new countries and these nations. Give us this day our daily bread, Father. Um, we just want to thank you afresh for the savings that we have in our bank account right now. Lord, we want to thank you that you've given us more than enough to share. Lord, show us how you want us to share your bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us, Lord. Forgive me for that thought that I had that only I know and you know. And Lord, help me to forgive that grudge that I have against my neighbor who keeps doing that thing in my yard that I don't want them to you know, keep letting their dog do that thing. <laughs> um, help me to have a soft heart to them. Lead us not to temptation. Deliver us from the evil one. Lord, I keep feeling tempted in this way. I keep feeling tempted in that way. Um, now, brothers and sisters, we're, we're, um, we're under our, our Father. And we can talk to Him in these ways. And if you feel distant from Him, I would recommend just setting aside 20 minutes. Don't, don't rush too much. 20 to 30 minutes. Um, oftentimes, for me, it takes a while for my brain to even defrag. <laughs> right? Or sometimes I'll be praying for five or ten minutes before I realize that I'm praying as if God doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. As if I'm just in an empty room talking to myself or saying, Dear Diary. <laughs> and then I, oh God, <laughs> okay. Father, you're here, you're in the room with me, okay. Lord, if it's not for your grace, I'm going to forget you again in five seconds. Help me, Father. Amen. And so I, I just recommend renewing that relationship with God, even if it means that you're setting aside some other helpful discipline for a while, some podcast you're listening to, some, some scripture reading plan or whatever. If you feel distant from God and you haven't connected with Him in prayer, I recommend starting with the Lord's Prayer. You can write your prayers and say them aloud. It's a beautiful thing. Amen.